everyone, T.G. Wolf here. You're about to hear a story from K.M. Rockwood. She is an awesome storyteller whose stories never quite go where you expect. Rose, who gave K.M.'s Abduction and Lies a five-star review on Amazon, said, This book is written with the same dark realism as the others in this series. By the end of the book, Jessie's current issues are resolved and I breathe a sigh of relief. Until the next time. You are never going to meet a more likable protagonist than Jesse Damon, or one who gets into more trouble, or one who you'll worry about more. Check out KM's books on her website, kmrockwood.com, on Amazon, or your favorite online retailer. Link is in the show notes. Welcome to Mysteries to Die For. I am T.G. Wolf, and I'm here with Jack, my harpsichord player and producer. This is a podcast where we combine storytelling with original music to put you at the heart of a mystery. All stories are structured to challenge you to beat the detective to the solution. These are arrangements, which means instead of word-for-word readings, you get a performance that's meant to be heard. Jack and I perform these live, front to back, no breaks, no fakes, no retakes, no matter how much I beg. I've tried bribing too, it doesn't work. This is season seven, Games People Play. Games are about competition conducted according to rules with participants working toward a goal. Games are part of every culture and are one of the oldest forms of social interaction and engagement. Games can be fun, they can be challenging and exhilarating. They can also be intense, cutthroat, and lethal. This season, our authors have fashioned deadly games and unscrupulous villains to test your detective skills. This is episode four. That classic Scrabble is the featured game. This is Hard Scrabble by K.M. Rockwood. By the way, it's an accordion. I thought you said you're doing a harpsichord. I, I changed my mind. What inspired the accordion selection for this story? I found the accordion faster than I found the harpsichord <laughs> setting. It's a very practical decision. Yeah, it was. <laughs> All right, let's let's get into the conflict at the senior center. Listening to this ridiculous but fierce argument was not what Misha expected when she signed up for an unpaid internship at the community senior center. Misha or Miss Solby Wilkins, as she'd been introduced to the clients, stood in the antiquated kitchen, unloading prepackaged components of lunch. A scent of burnt coffee from the morning snack filled the air. Preparing unappetizing food was also not what she expected to be doing. When she decided to pursue a degree in social work, Misha envisioned herself as a celebrated noble savior of neglected and abused children picture on the front page of the newspaper as she heroically carried a starving toddler to safety, possibly out of a burning building. Forget confidentiality regulations. It didn't take her long to realize that neglected and abandoned children usually came with dirty diapers and snotty noses and even lice. They often didn't want to be touched, must let picked up and carried. Not to mention irate parents who were resistant to attempts to remove said children from their custody, sometimes violently. But she was adult now, and she had to do something. When she had the epiphany concerning children, 
Misha was already most of the way through the master's program in social work, so she switched to special specializing in geriatrics, leading seniors in recreational activities like singing, listening to them reminisce about their younger years, providing wise, assured counsel. That should be a lot more pleasant and safer than dealing with the children and their parents. Or so she thought. Now, she wasn't quite so sure. Watching through the pass-through window between the kitchen and the activity room, Misha was appalled by what she saw. Mr. Davison, the site manager, tossed a small beanbag a few inches into the air and caught it. He spoke through clenched teeth. It's circle time. We need to form a circle with the chairs, right now. Henry, one of the clients, glared back at him. He thumped his heavy crutch on the floor, barely missing his own foot. We don't want to do circle time. We want to play Scrabble. Circle time comes before lunch, Mr. Davison said. Circle time, Henry snorted. Nobody wants to sit in a stupid circle and toss a stupid beanbag around. We use the beanbag so everyone won't try to talk at once. Mr. Davison still spoke with clenched teeth, but his voice had acquired a sharper edge. If you could only talk when you're holding the beanbag, people won't interrupt each other. And what, Henry demanded, is today's circle topic? The veins on Mr. Davison's neck stood out. His sparse gray beard twitched as he spat out his words. Having a positive attitude. I'm positive we want to play Scrabble. Henry banged his crutch on the floor, now inches away from Mr. Davison's foot. Watch that thing. You're going to hurt somebody, Mr. Davison said. Ha! The only person I know I'd like to hurt, Henry retorted. And that would be me, Mr. Davison asked. Henry banged the crutch on the floor again, harder and closer to Mr. Davison's toes. Wouldn't you like to know? Mr. Davison flinched, but he didn't step back. Was this what she had to look forward to as a geriatric social worker, Misha wondered? The position at the senior center had seemed the ideal internship when she needed to complete her master's. Making it sound even better, the interviewer had told her that they anticipated hiring a new manager for this very site in the near future. Perhaps when she completed her certification, Misha would be interested. Today was only her second day here, but she was already quite sure that this wasn't the way a senior center was supposed to operate. The building itself was dreadful. They'd admitted that much to her in the interview and had talked about the improvements they planned. A new kitchen, so food could actually be cooked on site, instead of depending on heating up those prepackaged trays. New heating and air conditioning, so it would always be comfortable. Exterior lighting and security cameras. Asphalt pavement over the muddy gravel parking lot, so transversing it with wheelchairs or walkers wouldn't be so difficult. For now, though, the whole place reeked of neglect and depression. Battle of Wills Mr. Davison seemed to view his role as the site manager to be that of a dictator. Misha cringed every time he barked an order. No wonder the clients balked. Most of the time, they grumbled quietly and followed his directives. But sometimes two of the men, Henry and Leonard, well, they rebelled, like now, 
We're going to play Scrabble, Henry insisted, and I'm going to get it out, and you can't stop me. I wouldn't even try to stop you, Mr. Davison sneered. You'd probably hit me with that crush. Henry smirked. I just might. Mr. Davison's voice rose another botch. Are you threatening me? Henry lapsed into his fallback response. Wouldn't you like to know? Misha had no desire to intervene. Mr. Davison surely knew how to handle this, but still. Henry limped to the cupboard which housed the games. He opened it, took out the box labeled Scrabble, and slammed it on the table. Who wants to come play Scrabble? I do. Leonard put down a magazine he was holding, levered himself out of an armchair in the corner, and approached the table. I love to play Scrabble. Don't you think we ought to wait until game time? Karina asked from her chair in another corner of the room. No reason to wait, Henry opened the box. Come play if you want, or don't. No skin off my teeth. He peered into the box. Where's the damn bag of letters? It was Mr. Davison's turn to smirk. Wouldn't you like to know? Simon rolled his wheelchair over and stared at the empty box. He took the tiles and the racks. That's a rotten trick. From her chair where she was knitting a rectangle something in a rather garish pink, Margaret chuckled. Henry, she said, why don't we just let Mr. Davison lead us in circle time first? That's the problem with you gals, Henry said. Let D Mr. Davison walk all over you. He says nasty things, can't keep his hands off of you, and you just let him do whatever he wants. Now, Henry, Margaret flipped her rectangle and started a new row, Mr. Davison just gives us friendly little pats on the shoulder. Pats on the shoulder, my ass, Karina said. More like a cheap feel. But do they do anything when we report it? No. Henry raised his bushy white eyebrows. You notice he never gives us men any friendly pats on the shoulder. Well, maybe that's because of the way you talk to him. Margaret looked up from her knitting. He might not feel friendly toward you. Henry snorted. He better not feel friendly toward me. Mr. Davison pressed his fingers to his foreheads and turned toward Misha. I have a raging migraine. Keep an eye on things for a minute. I have to go take a pill. But, Misha started to say as Mr. Davison hurried through the hallway that led to the handicap accessible restrooms and the back door. Simon guided his wheelchair to where the remnants of the morning's coffee and muffins lay on a table. A few crumbled muffins remained. A grin spread across his narrow face. He stuffed a big piece in his mouth and chewed. When he swallowed that, he reached for another chunk. Mr. Davison reappeared. Simon, put that back. Simon flinched and pulled his gaunt hand away. You know you only get one cup of coffee and one muffin, Mr. Davison said. That's all anybody gets. Henry stamped his crutch on the floor. I didn't need a muffin this morning. Simon can have mine. That's not the point, Mr. Davison scowled. Everybody gets one muffin. If you don't eat yours, you can't give it away. Why not? Henry raised his chin. We all know Simon's daughter doesn't feed him in the morning because she knows he'll get something to eat here. But one muffin's not enough for breakfast. He still is hungry. Not my problem, Mr. Davison snapped. Misha stood in the doorway and stared in deep belief at the disbelief at the angry man. 
This couldn't possibly be the way a site manager was supposed to behave toward clients, could it? She was getting some insights here into why they might be planning to hire a new manager. Miss Solby Wilkins, he barked at her, kindly remove this mess from this morning's coffee immediately. O okay. She grabbed a card and a spray bottle and a sponge and a few trash bags from the kitchen. She was about to remove debris and start wiping the table. Simon had moved his wheelchair back toward the end of the table and was watching sorrowfully as she put the mangled muffin remains in one bag and the assorted empty cups, soiled napkins, and coffee stirrers in another. What should I do with the muffins, Mr. Davison? she asked. He turned his scowl in her direction. In the trash. What else would you do with leftover food? We want to play Scrabble, Henry demanded loudly. Give us the tiles. Mr. Davison turned to deal with that challenge. Simon's mournful gaze stayed on the bag with the muffins. This is ridiculous, Misha thought. She held the bag up and gestured it toward Simon. His eyes hopeful, he clutched the end of the table and lurched to his feet. He took a few awkward steps forward, grabbed the bag with the muffins, reversed, and fell back into the wheelchair. He tucked the bag out of sight beside him and wheeled backward toward the hallway. An accidental fall. Mr. Davison was shouting something at Henry and didn't seem to notice Simon's movements. Simon wheeled himself cautiously down the hallway. Misha heard the door open automatically and the thump of his wheelchair as it began to descend the ramp toward the gravel parking lot. Isn't that dangerous, she wondered? Could he control the speed himself on that ramp? Suppose he got going too fast and he crashed. She listened for a scream, for a call for help. The shriek of a train whistle drowned out any other noise. A freight line, its tracks elevated a few feet, ran behind the parking lot. The road, the most convenient access to the senior center, ramped up steeply over a rough crossing and descended just as steeply on this side. There was another approach, but it left town and wound around following the river until it finally came to a rickety bridge. Nisha wasn't sure she trusted the bridge, so she came in across the tracks. When she arrived this morning, Misha had taken the crossing too fast and bottomed out with her old car. She peered under the car for leaks after she parked it but didn't see any, although it was hard to tell on the gravel. Hers was the only vehicle in the parking lot. Outside, the train rumbled along its tracks, its brakes squealing. Mr. Davison closed his eyes and rubbed his temple. I can't take any more, he turned to Misha. This terrible migraine, it's getting worse. Oh, she didn't know what else to say. Yes, he said, I, I've called and asked them to set a substitute, probably Parsons. He's useless, tried to get rid of him, but he's usually the one they send. Mr. Davison looked at his watch. He should be here any minute. He seemed to expect some response from Misha, so she again said, Oh, found him. Leonard hollered from where he had been rummaging in the cupboard. He held up the little bag with the Scrabble tiles. You give that to me, Mr. Davison snatched the bag in Leonard's hands. In Leonard's hands, Leonard didn't let go. 
He stumbled forward as Mr. Davidson yanked it. His foot caught on the leg of the table and he plummeted face first to the floor. Mr. Davison hoisted the bag in the air in triumph. You've done it now, Karina shrilled. You killed him. This time they'll fire you for sure. A small puddle of blood spread out from where Leonard's face had landed, but he planted his hands on the floor and heaved himself up. Horrified, Misha snatched a box of tissues. Where did they keep the first aid kit and the materials needed to clean up blood? Leonard grabbed a handful of tissues, held them to his nose, and waved her away. Broke his nose, probably, Henry said. Mr. Davison smashed the bag with the tiles on the table. Fine, but it never would have happened if Leonard had just followed directions. He turned to Misha. I'm leaving. You can be the substitute until Parsons gets here. But, but I'm just an intern, she said. I'm not qualified. Tough. He looked around at the assembled group. Rather than pushing past them, he stomped to the front door, pulled it open, stepped out, and slammed the door behind himself. <sighs> I better go warn Simon before that man gets around the building and catches him eating muffins. Margaret wrapped her pink rectangle around her knitting needles and placed them on the side table. She stood and headed toward the back door. Leonard looked out the window toward the train tracks and chuckled. Bastard's not getting far. Misha stepped to the window and, and took a look. The train, a long freighter that extended in either direction as far as she could see, was stopped dead on the tracks. Some kind of massive refrigerator car stood directly over the road crossing, blocking it completely. Misha heard faint growling and hissing sounds that must have come from the train. Mr. Davison would have had to go the long way around. I didn't see Mr. Davidson's car when I got here, she said doubtfully. Oh, he lives in a little house just on the other side of the tracks. Leonard's voice was muffled by the wad of tissues he had stuffed off his nose. That's why he wants to work here, Karina said. He doesn't need to drive to work. Henry laughed. Just as well for someone who drinks as much as he does. on their own. Misha half expected Mr. Davison to come back in, but truth be told, she was relieved that it didn't happen, even though she didn't feel comfortable being left in charge of this unruly group. Was it even safe? The back door opened to admit Margaret pushing Simon's wheelchair. Simon's eyes lit up. Are we going to eat soon? Well, I can finish getting lunch ready, Misha said, but isn't it too early to eat? Not at all, Margaret sat down and picked up her knitting. We can start a Scrabble game, Henry opened the board. Let's wait until after lunch, Karina said. We need the table to eat on, and I'm sure Miss Soli, whatever her name is, could use a little bit of help getting ready. Misha didn't even try to address that. Well, then I'm going out back for a cigarette. Henry steadied himself on the crutch and made his way out the back door. Misha had a feeling she should say something. This had to be a smoke-free facility, didn't it? But decided she should just be glad that he was going outside to light up instead of doing it right in here. Leonard, his nose no longer leaking around the tissue stuffed up the nostrils, helped her remove the foil coverings from the pre-packaged food trays. What about all the procedures for handling bodily fluid cleanup and not touching anything? Misha thought. 
Shouldn't she be making an effort to clean up the place where he'd fallen? Not to mention tending to his injured nose. Maybe she could ask him to at least go wash his hands? But would he do that? Or turn his defiance to her? She reluctantly decided to let it go and hope they didn't all come down with some dread blood-borne disease. Leonard put the trays into the microwave, three at a time, for a few minutes each. There was one for each person, including her and Mr. Davison. It looked like some kind of pasta with sauce, but Misha wasn't going to commit to it until she actually saw it on a label. Karina took the container of tossed salad and scooped portions into flimsy cardboard bowls. Simon knew where to find the little plastic packages, each of which contained a spork and a flimsy napkin, and laid them on the table. Then he rolled to the refrigerator and took out the individual cartons of milk and juice. Misha noticed that he stuck extra cartons of each next to him in the wheelchair, but she didn't say anything. Leonard looked out the window again. Damn train still stopped. Hope it leaves by the time the van gets here to pick us up. I hate to be late. That's not for another four hours, Misha said. Four more hours with this unpredictable bunch? She added, shouldn't the tray be gone by then? Karina shook her head ominously. You never know. Once in a while, the cruise shift ends and the train has to wait for a new crew to show up. Could take some time. Well, that didn't make much sense to Misha, but she saw no point in arguing. Although she hoped the train would move soon. Mr. Parsons, the substitute, couldn't get here while it was blocking the crossing unless he backed up and drove all the way around. She really wished someone would show up to take over, someone besides her. Margaret put her knitting down again and got to her feet. I'll go tell Henry it's time to eat. She headed toward the back door. A few minutes later, Henry thumped in and sat at the table. Margaret followed. They all took their places. A disagreeable scent, like rotting onions, rose from the trays. Misha was still uncertain what the meal was. Perhaps lasagna, it had a red sauce, sheets of something that looked like cardboard, white stringy layers, and lumps of other presumably edible things. The only ingredients she could be sure of were huge chunks of green pepper, not usually present in any lasagna that she was familiar with. The trays were only lukewarm, but no one seemed to object. Misha took a small taste and put her spork down. It was bland and a bit tasteless, except for the chunks of pepper, but most of the clients dove in, except Henry, who barely touched his. When Simon finished, Henry slid his tray in front of Simon, who happily scarfed the food down. He eyed Misha's barely-touched tray. Can I have that? I've eaten some, she said. Simon's bright eyes focused on the food. That's okay. Misha pushed it over toward him. He snatched it and gobbled it down. Mr. Davison's tray was nowhere to be found. Misha wondered if Simon had already gotten a hold of that one, too. When they were done eating, Karina stood up and grabbed her... her rolliter walker. I know that word. And grabbed her rolliter walker. I think I'll go out back and sit in the parking lot for a little while, if nobody minds. Definitely, Margaret nodded. You go ahead. Karina made her way out the back door. Sometimes she has a delicate digestive system, Margaret explained to Misha, especially after a spicy meal. 
Misha hadn't noticed much spice. What she means, Leonard said, is Karina gets the farts really bad, and we're all better off if she stays outside until the gas most of it's passed. Margaret smiled knowingly. They cleared the table and gathered the trash. All of those single-use items, how wasteful and irresponsible. Leonard offered to take the trash bag to the dumpster out back. He stumbled going out the door and dropped the bag, which fell open. Misha rushed over. Are you okay? Yes, yes. He rubbed his nose and a spiral of tissue, dark with dried blood, tumbled onto the steps, which were covered with the spilled contents of the trash bag. Just gotta get this stuff cleaned up. He opened the bag and started shuffling the garbage back in with his bare hands. Alright, let the game begin. Misha went inside and checked to see how Scrabble was going. She was surprised that, after his vehement insistence earlier that they play the game, Henry just sat and stared at the box. Margaret took charge. She opened the Scrabble board, set up the racks, and put the pad of paper and pencil next to her place. Then she held up the bag with tiles. I don't think we need to wait for Karina. She can join us when she comes back inside. But where is Leonard? As she was asking, Leonard came bustling in, his eyes darting around the room. Where's Mr. Parsons? Simon leaned forward in his wheelchair. Mr. Parsons is probably on the other side of the rail crossing. He can't get here till the train moves. Leonard frowned. But his car. Margaret straightened up and glared. Leonard, Mr. Parsons cannot get here until the train moves, or he drives all the way around. We know that. Now sit and draw a tile to see who goes first. But, he said again. Leonard, Margaret's voice was firm. Sit and take your tile. You're holding up the game. He looked quizzically at her, but he did sit and he pulled a tile from the bag. I got an A. So you go first, Margaret said. Now let's draw our seven tiles. Misha sat down and watched. The game began. Leonard stared at the board and scratched his cheek. He started with the word train on the double word starting star. Margaret picked up her pencil. That's five points on a double, 10 points. Good start, Leonard. Not impressive, Misha thought, but Leonard preened at the compliment. Margaret put an S on train, making strain, across and added strike below into a double word score. Six for strain, 10 doubled for strike, a total of 26. Simon hesitated and then put a D on strike and added dead across. There's no such word as striked, Leonard protested. It struck. Simon tucked his chin in and stared at the surface of the table. Tears actually formed in his eyes. Well, you're right about struck, Margaret said, but we can use colloquialisms. I think we can take striked as a colloquialism. Simon looked up hopefully. Leonard shrugged. Henry, it's your turn. Henry sat tapping his fingers softly on the handle of his crutch. He just stared at the board. Margaret jostled his arm. Your turn, she repeated. Oh, yeah, he muttered. He picked up three tiles from his rack and used them to make the K of striked into kill. Karina pushed her roller up to the table. I'll just wait for the next game. 
Outside, the train whistle screamed a warning. Clanging and rumbling sounds reached them as the train began to move, settling into a steady, increasing rhythm of the wheels on the tracks as it picked up speed. They played another round. With the final long and mournful shriek, the train pulled away. A few minutes later, the door burst open and a man entered. This must be Mr. Parsons. Misha expected another wizened older man. And Mr. Parsons was tall and young and muscular and really quite handsome. I just had to call 911, he said. Scrabble players abandoned their game and exchanged cautious glances. Karina's hand flew to her throat. Whatever for? Mr. Parsons shifted from one foot to the other. There's no good way to say this. Mr. Davison is dead. Good. <laughs> Another unfortunate fall. <laughs> Misha jumped up. Where is he? Does he need help? Shaking his head, Mr. Parsons said, no, he's, he's beyond help. Maybe I should go see if I could do anything. Misha took a step toward the back door. Mr. Parsons put his hand on her arm. No, don't go out there. It's too gruesome. There's no doubt he's dead. They're sending an ambulance and the police. How can you be sure he's dead? Misha demanded. I'm sure. Mr. Parsons shook his head again. The train's wheels ran over him. He's been cut in half. All the color drained out of Karina's face. Leonard blinked rapidly. Margaret stared straight ahead. Simon rubbed his cheek and reached out to finger the stashed cartons of milk and juice. Henry's fingers tapped harder on his crutch. Mr. Parsons cleared his throat. Undoubtedly, Mr. Davidson decided not to wait until the train cleared the crossing and attempted to climb a coupling to get home. Margaret frowned. Then he fell? Probably. Mr. Parsons took a deep breath. And the train really ran over him? Karina asked. Must have. Mr. Parsons looked at each of them in turn. Death would have been instantaneous. Leonard touched his puffy nose. Not a bad way to go, all things considered. I think it's positively horrendous, Karina protested. How would you like to be all chopped up? Well, Mr. Davison wouldn't know about that, Leonard pointed out. He's dead. And back when we had that talk about funerals and such, he said he wanted to be cremated. Well, they can cremate him in a couple of pieces just as easily as they can whole. Probably easier. But he left a long time before the train moved. Leonard scratched his cheek. What was he doing all that time? Mr. Parsons threw his head back and looked up at the ceiling. He may have tried to get across right before he left or right after he left, and then maybe he fell and he hit his head, so he was unconscious when the train started moving. He was just lying there. Margaret nodded. Must be what happened. And you saw him lying there when you came? Simon asked. Leonard patted his nose again. But when I took the trash out, didn't I see your car already? Margaret turned a stern eye on him. You could not have seen Mr. Parsons' car since he was stuck on the other side of the crossing until the train passed. But I was sure, Leonard started to say. Leonard, we are old. All of us. Margaret's voice was pure steel. Our memories are faulty. All of us. 
You have seen Mr. Parsons' car parked there a hundred times, but you only thought you saw it today. It was not there. He tried again. But... Margaret slapped her hand on the table. Leonard, remember who almost broke your nose. You did not see Mr. Parsons' car. You're mixed up on your timing. Do you understand? He shrugged. I guess. Good. Margaret surveyed the seated group. Henry sat up straighter. It was an accident. Of course, it was an accident, Margaret agreed. All right, we're at the deliberation. Margaret and Henry both did it. <laughs> they coerced him, not coerced him. That's my prediction. Listen to me. They've been weird. Simon hasn't been, well, Simon's always weird, been weird. And, okay. Okay, they all had their turn to be outside. I've been paying attention to this one. Don't worry, Mom. I, <laughs> they all had their turn to be outside. I'll be honest. Every time one left, I was like, oh, that's it. Simon's dead. Oh, no, oh, you know, it's going to be Corinne. Corinne? How do you pronounce Karina. it? Karina. Karina? My bad. Think of the wrong person. Anyway, but I see how it's happened, how it's all come together. Each person had their time when they're away from the spotlight, when they're away from our uh, our view as our narrator. Yes, Adam Any of them could view. have done it, but... <laughs> It wasn't Leonard. Why? Well, the wheelchair man could have done it, but why would he say that he saw Parsons' car? Why was Parsons' car there in the first place? I don't think he's insane. He might be insane. Okay, explain your deliberation. <laughs> you sound a little insane. <clears throat> don't worry about it. All right. Misha Solby Wilkins is getting some kind of education working at the senior center. To pass her dissertation, she's going to need to answer to what happened to Mr. Davison. Here are her suspects, I mean clients, in the order that we met them. Henry, the Scrabble rebel who uses a crutch. Leonard, the other Scrabble rebel who walks unaided. Karina, the flatulent woman who uses a walker. Simon, the perpetually hungry man who uses a wheelchair. And Margaret, the group's heart and voice of reason. And then we have Mr. Parsons, the hottie who is the backup manager for Mr. Davison. I see. He was jealous of Mr. Davison <laughs> and murdered him All and right. then called the police. Here's the facts reason. Misha's working with. Davison micromanaged, berated, and even injured the center's clients, driving himself to a migraine. He leaves before lunch, walking toward his home on the other side of the tracks. Mr. Parsons discovers the body sometime later. It had been severed by the train. Did you? Were you expecting the whole severing thing? I figured it was the train after it took way too long for the train to leave. But did you really think he'd be cut into half? I No, I didn't. I was confused. I figured he'd just get run over because how else would you kill him? But then the train stayed there, and then I was like, oh, I, don't, I have no idea, actually. And then it happened the way I was like, well, it can't happen like that, but then it still happened. I had no clue. Simon rolled his wheelchair outside before Davison left for a quiet place to eat the muffins that Misha snatched for him. Margaret went and brought him back in to avoid Davison catching him. Interesting. Yeah. Then Henry goes out for a cigarette while Misha and the others prepare lunch. Margaret goes out to get him when lunch is ready. Okay, okay. After the mystery lunch, Karina goes outside to spare her friends her flatulent side effects. Leonard takes the lunch trash outside. I think I turned my head away there. Leonard took the lunch trash outside. It's all of them. When Misha starts the Scrabble game, Leonard is unaccounted for. He hurries in, looking for Mr. Parsons, who has not arrived. 
Leonard thought he saw Mr. Parsons' car when he took the garbage out. Margaret says he is mistaken that Mr. Parsons and his car were stuck on the other side of the train. So, who should Misha pen as a silver killer? And for bonus points, what was the concoction she served for lunch? Uh, does it explain it? No. Oh. <laughs> we'll have to ask KM what it was. Uh, I was like, is there a secret mystery answer? Because that would be, okay, that's what I require all of our uh, authors to do in the future. Make a bonus mystery. A bonus mystery, and you have to tell. Yeah, you have to, you have to reveal it at the end. <laughs> if you give me a bonus mystery, I'll, I'll be very happy. Um, <laughs> so Henry with the crutch. Okay, I can see, okay, look, I want to say it's Henry. But the timeline is not in his favor to have done it alone. If he did it with someone else, I can understand how he could have done it. I don't understand how so many people could go after him and not see it. I don't. It's not Leonard. Unless it's all of them, it might be all of them. It might be a classic Orient Express. It's all of them. And mm-hmm. if it is, well, then there's no way I can win because I'm not guessing all of them. <laughs> so I've lost... Congrats. If you if you want to beat Jack and make sure he has no idea uh, who the killer is, just make it like 17 different suspects, 17 <laughs> different killers. I'm never going to figure it out. I refuse to guess that. It's too easy of an answer. Um, I would like to say Henry. However, Henry. I have reasons why it cannot be him. Uh, Margaret is being weird. You know, yeah. she's. It, the fact that her persistence that Mr. Parsons wasn't there, like, continued after he showed up, he didn't explain whether or not he just got there. Nobody asked him. Nobody asked him, which is why I think that's a detail we're going to learn about after this break. And I think after the break, it's going to be like, oh, no, I was here. Something yada yada. They're going to explain that. So I, I have to put my money on Margaret. Because she went out there multiple times. Maybe she could avoid them from seeing everybody. I don't know. Henry is weird. Henry's on. His line, it was an accident, See, feels incriminating. It does you know? feel incriminating, doesn't feels it? feels incriminating. I want to say Henry, but I don't have the proof. I need but evidence. But it sounds to me like you've you've whittled your guesses down to Henry and Margaret. Like yeah, You're not Simon saying anybody else's name. I love name. Simon. <laughs> um, Karina is... Just I, I haven't seen a reason for Karina to do it. Yeah. I mean, oh, well, no. Isn't Karina, like, weirdly fondled by yes. Mr. Davidson? Yes. That's a good reason. But yeah. I also don't think she doesn't seem to have the stature for it. Yeah. She's in a walker. So I don't think she could do it. Because you also say what everyone uses. Yep. Simon's in a wheelchair. He couldn't have done it. I don't think Karina in a walker could have done it. Um, Margaret or uh, Henry with the crutch could have. Leonard could have. I just don't feel like Leonard did it in my heart of hearts. You know, yeah. it's just not vibing. You know, it doesn't resonate with me. Yeah. Uh, Margaret could do it. Margaret and Henry could do it. Before okay. we get into yeah. the next chapter, I want to remind everybody or point out that we are ad free. In exchange for not assuming that you need a virtual therapist, a therapist, please support our authors by checking out their backlist and picking up a title. This week, as you heard, is KM Rockwood. And also a brief reminder that we do have companion books to go with our seasons. The nickels and dimes from those do keep Jack, um, well, in headphones and ponytail bands. He's got really long hair. Usually he holds it back with sunglasses, but I don't know where those are today. All right, the cleanup. Henry's lip trembled. 
I didn't mean to hit him that hard. He fell down the stairs. He did fall, Margaret insisted, but when he was trying to climb over the couplings between the cars. No, it was because... Henry's voice trailed off. Margaret turned her fierce eyes to each of them in turn. It's unfortunate that Mr. Davison has met with such a tragic accident, but it was his own doing. He was upset and didn't feel well. None of us had anything to do with that. Henry stirred, his fingers still tapping on his crutch, but he was silent. That does sound like what happened, Mr. Parsons agreed. Simon shook his head. Even if he fell by the stairs, we aren't strong enough to move Mr. Davison's body to the tracks, anyhow. Margaret smiled at him. That's very true, Simon. It would take a much younger and much stronger person than any of us to do that. Mr. Parsons flexed his shoulders. He looked at Henry. You know, Henry, it's a bit muddy out there in the parking lot. Is that mud on the handle of your crutch? Maybe you should go into the restroom and clean it off. Henry got to his feet. Make sure you scrub it well, Margaret said. As Henry headed to the men's room, they could hear the wail of approaching sirens. I don't know why they're in such a hurry, Simon muttered. There's not much to be done for him now. That's true. Margaret looked around, her eyes pausing on each of them. The police will be asking questions. We all know what we will say, don't we? Leonard Blink. That we didn't see where Mr. Davison went, Lord rest his soul. And anyhow, we're too old and absent-minded to have figured out what happened. Misha took a deep breath. She was glad she hadn't seen anything. Maybe, though, she would look into some career other than social work, something safer, even if she did almost have her degree. The End Darn microphone switch. I was right-ish. I don't even know. It didn't even explain. It was terrifying. It was clearly Margaret. I had I read this story like three or four times. At first, I thought it was Margaret. I thought it was Margaret. I thought it was Margaret. And then I was like, wait. It's Henry Margaret, Henry, and Parsons. Parsons. And Parsons. So I think what happened, the way I read it, okay. is Henry hit him uh-huh. with a crutch. Yes. And the guy fell down the stairs. Indeed. And he probably was unconscious or something. Seems like it. Margaret came out, found it. Uh-huh. Just as Parsons got there, uh-huh. and they had this idea to get rid of Mr. Davison. I see. And so Margaret takes Henry back inside. That's why he was shaken up. Uh-huh. And it's da- it's uh, Parsons then who moves Davison's body. I see. I'm disappointed in myself for not guessing Davison, because I knew that was you weird. You mean Parsons? Parsons, that's what I meant. I knew... That part was weird, and Simon's clearly not in on it. I no, because he kept going. But it. his car was there. But his car was Shut there. Shut up, Simon. <laughs> it's not there, Simon. <laughs> See, Karina had no, like, character. So I, it couldn't have been Karina. Um, you know, Karina was just another suspect to put on the list, in my opinion. Uh, Simon, yes, he was too innocent in all of this. And I you think know, Karina was a, is a rule follower, too, right? She wanted to do the circle time just to keep the peace. So a little bit. I don't think she would have. Although You're she right. Did. She was very peaceful, but her complaints against him were motive yes. enough for her to be considered. Yep. However, there just uh, there wasn't enough for me there. Leonard, Leonard could have done it, you know. Physically, but he 
really was only outside when he took the trash out. Yeah. I see. And it. didn't Misha see him fall down the stairs? Or, or on the stairs? Remember the garbage bag f flew open and he was picking up the trash with his hands? Oh, yeah. So? So Davis or Davison wasn't there when Misha went out to help him clean up. Uh, oh, okay. All right. Yeah, I'm just mad at myself for not guessing Parsons because I was I was like that. Doesn't you were right. It was a conspiracy. I was it wasn't right. Just it was one a person. conspiracy. Um, the two of them did make sense that they could do it. It doesn't address how the others went out there after and then didn't see anything because he would have just been on the tracks for them to go out there. So they must not be able to see the tracks from there or something like that because Karina is just out there farting away. <laughs> the fart in the wind. We don't know much about the way the yard's set up. No, so. we don't. Or if they could, if the yard's even facing that area. Right, exactly. So we just don't know. I, I suppose that's why when deliberating on how I was like, well, Henry couldn't have done it because he was first. Everyone else would have seen a body. But in this case, they they could still go out there and not see the body. And that's what threw me for that. Parsons does make sense in getting the body there. Um, I don't see why he would do that. I really like this story. This was one of those subtly cool ones where it's like everybody has a different like one guy's in a wheelchair one has a crutch one uh -huh. has a walker Fred they all go yeah they all go outside at some point they all go outside alone at some point every time someone went outside i was like <laughs> oh they're dying they're done <laughs> <laughs> no, that never happened. No, it surprised none of us when Davison ends up dead. <laughs> oh, yeah, I was just like, when? When? It, it took too long for him to die. That you, you just were like, what's happening? And then Everything I love, has to mean something. It's so hard not to laugh as Leonard's like, <laughs> he yeah. wanted to be cremated anyway. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was laughing while playing. I was like, I hope they can't hear this. No, I, I really like that story. Uh. That, was, that was very interesting. Okay, so let's learn a little bit about Scrabble. So according to Wikipedia, the game originated in the U.S. in 1931. It was the brainchild of an architect named Alfred M. Butts. The game, that he called Crisscross Words, was a variation on an earlier game he created. He did make and sell the game himself, but it, he was unable to get it to catch on. Uh, several game companies rejected it. Uh, and in 1948, Butts sold the rights to manufacture the game to a man named James Bruno. The turning point came in 1952 when the department store Macy's placed a large order for the games. Rumor was that the Macy's president played the game on a vacation and he liked it so much, he added it to their lineup. Hitting it big was too much for Bruno, who licensed it to Cell Show and Writer to manufacture the games. They were the ones who previously turned it down, although I guess like 10 companies did. Uh, rights to sell the games in the UK and Australia were sold to J.W. Spear, and rights have consolidated to Hasbro in the US and Canada and Mattel everywhere else. Scrabble has been produced in many languages as well as in Braille. Scrabble organizations and Scrabble tournaments exist all over the world. The world championships are held annually. If you love Scrabble, so do lots of other people. There are friends out there waiting for you to come play a game. There are links in the show notes to Scrabble and the Scrabble World Championships. About K.M. Rockwood. K.M. draws on a varied background for stories, among them working as a laborer in a steel fabrication plant, 
operating glass smelters and related equipment in a fiberglass manufacturing facility, and supervising an inmate work crew in a medium, in a large medium security state prison. These jobs, as well as work as a special education teacher in an alternative high school and a GED teacher in county detention facilities, provide most of the background for her stories and short for her novels and short stories. Yeah, KM has an incredibly diverse background, and the things that she brings into her stories, they always leave me going, "What?" So the wrap-up. That wraps up this episode of Mysteries to Die For. Support our show by subscribing, telling a mystery lover about us, and giving us a five-star review. Check out our website, tgwolf.com forward slash podcast, for links to this season's authors. Mysteries to Die For is hosted by T.G. Wolf and Jack Wolf. Hard Scrabble was written by K.M. Rockwood. Music and production are by Jack Wolf. Episode art is by T.G. Wolf. Join us next week for a toe tag. Y'all know by now that that's the first chapter from a fresh release in their mystery, crime, or thriller genre. Thinking about adding horror to that list. Jack says yes, we should add horror. Then come back in two weeks for our next original story, A Forced Card by Ed Teha, where Indian poker, or also known as Blind Man's Bluff, is the featured game. All right, Jack, take us out. <laughs>